Theology Thursday live um, topic today is is it the end of the world? Um, we're gonna get to that in just a minute. There's a few songs that speak to the subject. The first one is the most uh, well known. I kind of ramble for a minute until I get a, I mean, viewers that come in. Um, you know, there's this one. That, you know, it's great. It starts. It starts with an earthquake, birds, snakes, and airplanes. Lenny Bruce is, is not afraid. I have a hurricane. Listen to yourself. Churn. World serve its own needs. Don't misserve your own needs. It's R.E.M. It's the end of the world as we know it, and I feel fine. And then one of my favorite, hello, Amy. You know the song. I'm just um, opening with this, talking about the end of the world. Uh, made me think of this song. This is a song I've been singing all day. Is um we Care A Lot by Faith No More. Um, it's got a good beat and you can dance to it. I'm going to wrap it for you in just a second. But it goes something like, um, We Care A Lot. We Care A Lot. It's got a good bass line to it. You can look it up. Um, we Care A Lot About Disasters, Fires, Floods, and Killer Bees. So this obviously was in the 80s. Um, it's one of these college bands. We care a lot about disasters, fires, floods, and killer bees, about the NASA shuttle falling in the sea. We care a lot about starvation and the food that Live Aid bought. We care a lot about rock, Hudson Rock. Yeah, Rock Hudson. We care a lot about the gamblers and the pushers and the freaks. We care a lot about the people who live on the street. We care a lot about the welfare of all you boys and girls. We care a lot about you people because we're out to save the world. Yeah. And he said it's a dirty job, but someone's got to do it. I think Mike Rowe does actually use this song. Um, it's a dirty job. We care a lot about the Cabbage Patch kids. They never lie. We care a lot about Madonna, and we cop for Mr. T. Wow, this is just dated, isn't it? We care a lot about the little things, the bigger things we top. We care a lot about you people. Yeah, and where's the line? We care about the Army, Navy, Air Force, and Marines. We care a lot about disasters, fires, floods, and killer bees. Yeah, so, you know, we care a lot about disasters, fires, floods, and killer bees. About the NASA shuttle falling in the sea. We care a lot about starvation and the food that Live Aid bought. It goes on, and because um, it was going to be the end of the world. And that's just in the 80s. So the question on the table is, is it the end of the world? And here's the quick answer that every pastor ought to be able to give you, every single person ought to be able to give you, and I'm going to give it to you succinctly, and I'm just saying that you can take this to the bank, okay? Is it the end of the world? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Do you know? You don't know. I don't know. So we're going to look at a few uh, Bible verses that are going to talk about the end of the world. And um, But just talking to a few people, especially some older people, surprisingly, um, and I guess it's not so surprisingly, but just, you know, if you're home and you're kind of shut in anyway, typically, and I'm talking about people in their late 80s, 90s, and things like this um, that have been... You know, they're still having mental faculties that are there pretty well, and they um, are able to get around somewhat, maybe in their own home still, but, um, you know, limited. Uh, and then you hear about what goes on, and my goodness, is there's, you know, I, I just don't watch the news constantly. You know, I mean, it's like, I watch the news, and I'm sure some of you watch the news, and it depends on what network you watch, and 
and we all have our confirmation biases where there are certain things we believe and don't believe. So I'll watch some networks and I'll listen to it and I'll go, oh, yeah, that sounds right, oh, maybe. And then you listen to some other networks and it's like, I can't, uh, uh, I can't even listen to it. So, you know, there's no unbiased news network. I don't know if there ever has been an unbiased news. LL News is biased. We all have worldviews that we go into. So part of the interesting thing now is when I talk to some of my younger friends, gosh, who are in their 30s now, but even younger than that, maybe, uh, just about, you know, they're not worried about surveillance. They're not worried. It's like, you know, Facebook tracking everything you do is the internet, you know, and this 5G stuff they're talking about. My goodness. I heard somebody the other day saying that you, you but one of the possibilities of 5G in the future, which, you know, is what, like five minutes from now or something, um, you will be able to walk outside and say, Uber, pick me up. Yes, John, we will be there in 10 minutes. And then they'll probably know where you're thinking about going if you had a conversation about it inside. But that this, you know, the, the Internet will just be everywhere. And, um, and there won't be a need for drones. There's not going to be a need for chips in your hand or on your forehead or things like that. It's just, it is frighteningly futuristic in a way that I don't even think I've seen a movie where that kind of thing takes place. Um, so, you know, when you're older and you're watching the news and, you know, I mean, it's one thing. Okay, so what about the moral stuff? Well, about these the moral, it used to be the the moral depravity of the world was was snowballing so rapidly downhill that people would look at it and go say, "Well, the Lord's coming back soon," um, and but we kind of got over that, <laughs> you know. So the, the moral depravity is like, yeah, it's all relative. It's not as bad as we thought it was, or you know. So. Yeah, apparently, you know, the flood happened. But, you know, it's still not as bad as it could be. Not as bad as it has been other times. Not that it's not bad. And maybe it is worse. And one of the worst things now is that we don't think it's so bad. Um, but then the other thing is just technology skyrocketing. At one time, that was the thing. Because it's just, you know, technology. And it was just, wow, this is, you know, big brother in the world. This is, this is coming. And it's like because of technology. But then kind of got used to technology ever advancing more quickly and quickly. So, so that's not it. Um, then we had all these wars and rumors of wars and, and Saddam Hussein. I mean, that was it. I remember thinking Saddam Hussein, you know, I'm never going to be able to see my kids grow up because Saddam Hussein, this is in Iraq. This is all in this the area. And so, you know, this is going to be where the end of the world comes. And I mean, surely if you're around the 1930s and 40s and you were looking at, you know, Hitler and Japan and all these things and you're thinking, you know, this is the end of the world. But, you know, that's, life has continued and, you know, it's the end of the world as we know it, but I feel fine. So we continue on. So it's not that. And then we get a global pandemic and we get at the same time uh, tornadoes and then we get at the same time um, uh, earthquakes. <laughs> you get all these things going on. It's like, this has to be the end of the world. You know, it's finally something, every, everything is global now. And so when you get a global pandemic and people are afraid and people are frightened and it's, um, don't you think this is the end of the world? And it's when we were in Russia, it was for an adoption. We were um, asked, we were in the Birdabajan. It was the Jewish autonomous region where um, Stalin had sent all the Jews and said, you know, if you want, if you want to live, go, go live in Birdabajan. It's a homeland we'll give you. And um, so they went there and then, but all the Jews were leaving to go back to the homeland of, of Israel. 
And so the, the Russians that were living there would ask us, I remember one lady, our interpreter said, you know, the Jewish people all say that when they all get back to Israel, then the end of the world will come. What do you think? <laughs> I was like, well, yeah, I don't know. It's like, um, and our answer, which yeah, was a long time ago, was in the 90s, but I think it's a pretty good answer still, though, because you're put on the spot by somebody and you're trying to witness to people as well. And uh, we just said, well, the end of the world for you is going to happen when you die, and that's going to be going to be it. So the question is, you know, what are you doing with this life now? What are you doing until then? Um, so I just think that one of the things... Um, that we need to be careful with, with our eschatological views, with our views of the end times, is we have to hold them, uh, certain aspects of our end times views um, loosely, where we recognize the fact that I could be right, but I could be wrong too, but recognizing which things might I be wrong about and which things uh, am, is the Bible assured, assuredly accurate and clear it's accurate on everything but what's it what is it blatantly clear on okay several things you can look at uh, peter writes about the writings of paul and says if i can get the quote right um, there are many things in paul which are difficult to understand and which um, unstable and crooked people twist to their destruction and so you know, paul paul tells timothy to um, study yourself to be someone approved, rightly dividing, rightly handling the word of truth. So, everything in Scripture is not equally clear. Everything in Scripture is not equally understandable. Um, it does take study. Uh, it does require you to compare Scripture to Scripture, let the Scripture speak. Um, and where it speaks clearly, where to speak clearly. And where it's not clear to us yet, we have to be able to say, it's not clear to us yet. So again, if you're just joining us and you're, you know, is it the end of the world? You know, the, the answer was, you know, I don't know. So if you're coming to me for that kind of answer, then you're in the wrong place. I'm looking for my Bible. I have one. It's a church. I think my camera's sitting atop one, but I'll get it in a second. Um, so we're going to look at a few verses that talk about the end of the world. Um, but here's the thing. As far as if you know anything about end, there's several viewpoints that Christians hold about the end times. Uh, and these would be Bible-believing people who go to the same scriptures and come up with differing views of the end times. Now, I think we have to be careful of this because what can happen is non-Christians or weak Christians or you know outsiders of some sort, they listen in on these conversations and then we're like you know this is absolutely true and then another christian no this is absolutely true they're, they're contradictory things they, they can't both be right and then there's a third guy no this is absolutely true and it's like and then a fourth and a fifth and a sixth and it's like so an outside person if satan wanted to use something to confuse and um people and to make them doubt the word of god and, and the bible even talks about this too arguing over words which only destroys the hearers so you have to be careful of this these are great debates to have within ourselves among ourselves but even when we do this we'll separate into camps because i believe this and you believe that man we're gonna fight it out and um no idea what that means eric <laughs> so I think what is beneficial is to be able to have these conversations amongst ourselves in a way that we're able to say, I'm not sure about these things. But here's what I am sure that the Word of God teaches about the end of the world. One, um, the world will end. 
two. Um, Christ will return at the end. Okay, um, and it's got to be a three. Three. It is appointed to man once to die, and after that, judgment. Okay, so those things are, are true. There will be an end. Jesus comes at the end, and we're going to be judged, every single person, um, even those who maybe you're alive at the end of the world. You know what happens then, um, and you're you're transfigured you know, in the twinkling of an eye. And that's where some people believe in the rapture, which I don't believe in. So you know that right there immediately, some Christians are like. I don't believe him. I'm turning off that video. I'm never going to his church. The whole denomination is satanic. You know, because you don't believe in a rapture. And it's like, all right, well, you know, if you believe in a rapture, it's like, it's got to be one of those things that you hold lightly in your hands. But, you know, we've read Left Behind books and we've seen the stories and that's what we've been, um, our tradition a lot of times dictates we must believe in. So it gets to be, and it's a doctrine that separates some people from others. Uh, some Christians from others, and it becomes a defining, this is where we have our problems, when the rapture becomes a, a, a theological um, doctrine, viewpoint, stance that is used to separate true believers from, maybe they're okay, but you know, they're kind of messed up because they don't believe this, that the rapture becomes pivotal to the gospel. So you got to be careful with that whole rapture thing being pivotal to the gospel because I know I, for one, don't hold the, the view of the rapture. I did for years. Um, you know, I can we can debate that at some point, but I have to recognize and you have to recognize that whether there is or there's not. Okay, let's say there's a rapture. Okay. I just say I got that one wrong. So what? I mean, what difference is that going to make? And I'm sure people who believe in a rapture are going to make a huge deal about it and say, this is why it matters. And I'm sure they've got reasons why it matters. But but one way or the other, you're a believer or you're not a believer. You're either in Christ or you're not in Christ. You're going to be judged. You're either going to be judged in Christ or you're going to be judged for your sins. You're either going to heaven or you're going to go to hell. There's going to be lots of stuff that happens in the middle that, that the Bible's not, at least to us, the Bible hasn't, isn't clear exactly on it yet. Um, there's some people who believe in the post. I don't really, I didn't plan on getting into all these things really, and I probably shouldn't. Um, oh, hold, there's the Bible. I see one. It's open. That's a new American standard. It's a good translation. I just prefer my ESV right here. Um, so my view is called amillennial, which means that the thousand years... Um, what is it, Revelation chapter 23? I think um, it's the only place that's mentioned in the Bible. It's a number, 1,000. It's in a book that is um, the genre of, um, oh, what's the genre of Revelation? Somebody type it in, the word escapes me right now. And uh, <clears throat> it's in a book full of symbols. The All the numbers are symbolic. <laughs> the there's full of imagery and symbolism and there's that number 1000. And so to me, to take that number 1000 literally um, is, is a little shaky on that. And so I think you have to take the thousand and say apocalyptic, apocalyptic, apocalyptic. That's not it. It's an apocalyptic. Is that the genre? <laughs> For some reason, it's, I think that's right. Apocalyptic literature. Yes. And of course, Jesse Watkins would know that. It just didn't sound right. That's why I couldn't think of the word. I guess it didn't sound right. Right. Apocalyptic literature. I don't think that's it, though. Ah. We'll let that go. So, um, 
thousand years, if it's a thousand literal years and that's the millennium and that's a time when, you know, what's going to happen. They have all these views with the rapture. Is it a pre-trib rapture or mid-trib rapture? There's a seven-year tribulation. There's a three and a half you go through and then you're taken out. And it's like all these things. You got, who's that guy um, that has the big charts behind him and everything? Um, and it just lays this stuff out, you know, how this stuff is going to happen. And people can get so caught up into their... Um, eschatological views or end time views all these little details of what's going to happen then they missed the big picture you know what I mean it's like you, you can't see the forest for the trees you know that Jesus is coming back that um, the faith in him is completely necessary um, all these things all right just yes cause everything is symbolic in revelation instead of number 1000 <laughs> John Hagee that's right and um, yeah so apocalyptic it is a is that so Kim Rufus is is agreeing with you. I still think there's a different word. <laughs> it's got to be apocalyptic literature. All right, I'm just going I'm just going to let that one go. Um if I find out later that it's something else then we you know we're, this again this is not one of those terribly important things. So the um tribulation is going to happen in the middle, you know, where do we live in? And personally, I believe we're in I believe this is the tribulation. So, you know, there's called the Great Tribulation at the end. It's like, yeah, and it does appear as if towards the end of time things, I mean, there's two views on this that Bible-believing people hold. The world's either getting progressively better and better and better and more and more Christian so that one day the world is Christianized and the um, and Jesus reigns on the throne on earth and and then and that's for a thousand years, whether it's literal or figurative, there's a thousand year reign of Christ here on earth, and then for a time Satan is let loose and, and things happen. Um, and then the other view, a biblical view that people hold, is the world's gonna get progressively worse and worse and worse and worse until you know, it's gonna be finally so bad that the end comes lest the elect also would be deceived. And it's that's, that's my particular view but you see those are two opposite it can't be two more opposite views of that that people get from the same scripture so you're just looking at it i mean there are things that people get from the scripture and they're just messed up then they don't they're they're not believers they are they're twisting scripture to their destruction and you can clearly see it and it's just like man that's just not right um and then things that are pivotal too but this is one of those things you have to look at it and just go you know there's so many people that disagree on it, I have a view that I believe is correct, but I'm not going to shout it from the rooftops and make it the gospel. So, you know, the big thing is, you know, so I grew up in fear of this is the end times that God's going to come back and then we're going to go through tribulation, that there's going to be terrible things that happen, that it's going to be scary and it's going to be you know, all these things. And I remember people being afraid, you know, that this is, maybe, we're, are we going to go through tribulation? You know, the whole question they would want to ask, do you believe we're going through tribulation? Oh, gosh, please, I pray that we, we won't go through tribulation. Um, I mean, to me, the Bible's pretty clear that, that we're going to go, we will go through tribulation. And, and so it's the way we go through it. So let's look at the Bible here. So being, well, I've gone all over the place here, but as far as amillennial view goes, which is the view I hold, um, an amillennialist believes there is that thousand years, so you know it's kind of a misnomer. It doesn't mean there's no thousand year, but it's that it's a symbolic reign of Christ, and that the number thousand means a very long time. So it's going to be a very long time, which I believe begins it begin at the resurrection of Christ, which you know you see 
the Bible calls this the end times. We're going to see in a minute, you know, from the time of Christ. He says, I'll be with you to the end of the age. This is, this is it. Um, we're living in the last days. And things go from better to worse. Sometimes things are better. Sometimes things are worse. Um, I mean, study history. I mean, you know, there's plagues. There's you know, fires, wars, famines. It's just, you know, these things happen. And even in the book of Revelation, there seems to be a cyclical thing or at least a different way of looking at things from different perspectives. Um, so Revelation chapter 1, uh, was it verse 9, uh, we read this. I, John, your brother and partner in the tribulation and the kingdom and the patient endurance that are in Jesus was on the island of Patmos on account of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. So he's been um, placed on the island. He's placed in exile on the island of Patmos because of the testimony of Christ, because he's a believer and he's teaching the gospel. But he's saying he's in the tribulation. So he's and he's a partner in the tribulation. So this is back in the beginning. So we're talking about the tribulation and pre-trib guys with the great tribulation though. And it's like, okay, fair enough. All right, cool, Jesse. We have to watch. Post your a link to your wherever you do that. <laughs> so we'll try to catch it later because um, I'm probably preaching at the same time as you. So yeah, I mean, so if you disagree with this. You know, keep it to yourself. But the, uh, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, he is in the tribulation. So the debate is, is this the great tribulation that's ahead? But you know, it, we're in the tribulation, and depending on where you live in this world, uh, will dictate to you how you perceive the level of tribulation in which you are currently in. So in this country, yeah, kind of. Uh, left. So it depends on um, where you are. My my connection went out for a second there. So probably just missed a little bit of incoherent rambling. Um, we're in quarantine, you know, which sick people are actually, but anyway, we're, we're, we're under house arrest, but we get to go out and do what we want to do. And we've have, we have electricity, we have lights, we have refrigerators, we have food. We, have, you know, the big, a lot of the memes are what we're going to look like when we come out, we're all going to be fat. Um, other parts of the world, they're worried about whether they will survive the hunger, you know? So, I mean, this is, you know, and there's other parts of the world where they are persecuted for the faith to the point of having acid thrown on them. They're killed. They're murdered. The question is, do I have to publicly profess my faith in order to be a believer? Because if I do, I'll be killed. So we're quick to say, you must profess before man. If you, if you deny me before man, I'll deny you before my father. And we're like, yeah, you have to stand up and do that. Well, okay, what if you know you're going to be beheaded for doing that? I mean, and we could argue, um, you still have to do it, but we aren't going to say it like that. Oh yeah, you got to do that. You got to do that. Or, you know, it'd be like, okay, I, I can sympathize a little more with, with, you know, I can't even sympathize. I don't even understand what that's like. I have no clue what it would be like to live in a place where you can and will be killed because of what you believe happening all over the world. Um, and that's why, I don't know, Voice of Martyrs is a good, um, source to be able to listen to things like that and find out what's going on in the world uh matthew 24 why turn into matthew 24 our millennial position has to do with the fact that we are now living in the millennium this time period in which christ reigns and he is on his throne i mean he was he was elevated ascended to the right hand of god the father almighty he is inaugurated into the kingdom um the last enemy to be destroyed will be, you know, there's still things happening. Last enemy to be destroyed is death, but he reigns until all things are put under his feet. But the, who's in control of this world now? 
Well, the world, the cosmos, Satan, the prince of the power of the air. But Christ is the kingdom of heaven. He is in control of all things, and he will finally cast Satan into the pit. And now, I believe, uh, being amillennialist, that Satan is now currently bound. He can no longer deceive the nations. Now, the nations are deceived, except for when the gospel goes forth and, and people get the gospel. It was not like that before Christ came. There were people who would come from the world and go and become believers, but not like since Christ. And so that's the thing is the gospel is open. And um, so Satan is bound, Dr. Kelly would say, but he's on a very long leash. So he has lots of power. He's bound, but he's not. But he, and then, then he'll be let loose for a while. Now, to me, in that perspective, that means that um, the church believers are going to be smaller in number, um, but possibly more powerful. But the, the, the key to it is, what are we doing wherever we are, whatever's going on? It's always the gospel. So look at this, Matthew 24. Um, <clears throat> all right, so, and there's more stuff outside of Revelation it talks about the end of the world than there is in Revelation that talks about the end of the world. Apocalypse literature. It's got to be. This must be what it is. Um, Jesus left the temple and was going away when his disciples came to point to him the buildings of the temple. But he answered them, You see all these, do you not? Truly I say to you, there will not be left one stone upon another will not be thrown down. So he sees the temple, it's got all these stones, he says it's going to be overthrown, which it was and it's... You know, knocked over today. But he's also talking about his body. So as he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately and said, tell us, when are these things going to be and what will be the sign of your coming and of the close of the age? Now this is tricky because what does he mean by the close of the age? Does that mean the end of the world? Or does that mean the close of the last age, which is all the way up to the time of Christ, and now the new covenant has come, and so we have this age. Um, and, and, you know, people get very doctrinal there. And Jesus said, so this is the words, See that no one leads you astray. For many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and they will lead many astray. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not alarmed, for this must take place, but the end is not yet. Now, I believe this part is talking about um, it, it, a lot of things, a lot of um, prophecy in Scripture has double fulfillment. It's some immediate, but it also points to the day, the, the end of time. And that's what we're, I think a lot of nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines and earthquakes in various places. There we are. You know, but this isn't the. This has been going on a long time. You know, this, in our ease, I believe that we see this stuff as. You know, it's got to be in the world because I'm in, in great discomfort right now. Um, but he says in verse 8, all these things are but the beginning of the birth pains. So birth pains, you know, something's coming, but you've got these little rumblings, these things that take place. And I say little because I haven't had birth pains. Then they will deliver you up to tribulation and put you to death, and you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And then many will fall away and betray one another and hate one another. And many false prophets will arise and lead many astray. And because lawlessness will be increased, the love of many will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. All right, so there's a call for endurance. So what do you believe about all this? When is it? How does it work? You endure. What do you do in the tribulation? Endure. Are we in the tribulation right now? 
endure. Is there a great tribulation coming? Endure. What are we supposed to do? Endure how? In the power of the Holy Spirit. So we're called to endure. 13, uh, 14. And this gospel of the kingdom must be proclaimed throughout the world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. So we're supposed to be testifying to all nations, sending gospel, sending um, missionaries, supporting missionaries, giving money to missionaries, giving money to, to foreign ministries, to churches. We have so much money in this country that if we were to tithe it, give a tenth of it for world missions, we could do amazing amounts. Um, so churches, one of the things we had to be focused on is world missions. So not just on the denominational level, but individually and church level and denominational level. Um, so when you see the abomination of desolation, now see a lot of this, now we're getting into, I think a lot of this has to do with the temple that when Nero came in and he set up the standards in the temple as abomination of desolation. He said, some said he had slaughtered a pig on the altar and stuff. So, you know, it's just, and then those who are in Judea flee to the mountains, the one who's on his housetop. So this is the part where people hear this and it's like, you know, I wish we'd all been ready. If you know that song, and two men walking up a hill, one disappears and one's left standing still. I wish we'd all been ready. There's no time to change your mind. The sun is coming. You've been left behind. Okay. So, um, <laughs> regardless, again, I don't believe the rapture, but I do believe there's an end time and I believe that Christ is coming. But this seems, this I mean, there's a lot of historical data that suggests that this is talking about um, people who are living in Jerusalem at the time, and they're at peace with the Jewish people, the Christians and stuff, but they get this revelation that they need to leave when they see the Roman powers coming, and they see them coming, and tell everybody, we need to get out, this is not going to be good, um, and they stay, and the um, the Christians leave, and they take this verse, this passage, to be prophetic for that time, and then uh, the Jewish people go through great tribulation. I mean, a great tribulation. Horrific things that occur when um, Rome actually surrounds them and, 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 and keeps them there. Um, and from that point forward, the Jews and the Christians never, never quite got along again. Um, verse 29, immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened, the moon will not give its light, and the stars will fall from heaven, and the powers of heavens will be shaken. So, <laughs> so um, you know, so what, what does that mean? Are we going to see the stars actually fall from heaven? You know, what's that? And again, this is prophetic language, um, apocalyptic language, where um, in the. I keep losing my signal here. They are vast um, changes in, in what's going on in the world and stuff. So then there will appear in heaven the sign of the Son of Men, and all the tribes Son of Man, and all the tribes of the earth will mourn, and they will see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory, and he will send out his angels with a loud trumpet call, and they will gather his elect from the four winds from one end of heaven to the other. And in verse 36, but concerning that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, nor the son, but the father only. For as were the days of Noah, so will be the coming of the son of man. For as in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage until the day when Noah entered the ark. And they were unaware until the flood came and swept them all away. So will be the coming of the son of man. Then two men will be in the field, and one taken and one left, two women. So it goes on again. Um, but therefore you must be ready for the Son of Man's coming at an hour you don't expect. 
who then is the faithful and wise servant? And it goes on again. So, I mean, one thing about um, the end times is Noah was a given prophetic word from God because he was to prepare the ark. We've been given prophetic word from God because we're to prepare the ark of the church proclaiming the gospel to people, and he pulls people into his church. Um, Jesse says it's because they are installing 5G towers everywhere during the quarantine. Signal is breaking because of that. I get put stuff like that in my head. Second Peter chapter three. You're right. You're right. Second Peter. Second Peter. Second Peter. Second Peter chapter three also talks about the end times. I'm going to try to wrap this up too. I don't mean to keep everybody so long. Second Peter chapter three. Um, <clears throat> the day of the Lord will come. This is now the second letter I'm writing to you. Beloved, in both of them, I'm stirring up your sincere mind by way of reminder that you should remember the predictions of the holy prophets and the commandment of the Lord and Savior through your apostles, knowing this, first of all, that scoffers will come in the last days with scoffing. What else would they do? Following their own sinful desires. They will say, where's the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things are continuing as they were from the beginning of creation. For they deliberately overlooked this fact that the heavens existed long ago and the earth was formed out of water and through water by the word of God. And that by means of these, the world that then existed was deluged with water and perished. That's the flood. But by the same word, the heavens and earth that now exist are store, stored up for fire, being kept until the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. But do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years and a thousand years as one day. In other words, he doesn't keep up with time the way that we keep up with time. Um, but do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is a thousand years. Thousand. Okay. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should come to reach repentance. But the day of the Lord will come, how? Like a thief, and then the heavens will pass away with a roar, the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved, and the earth done on it will be exposed. And since these things are thus to be dissolved, what sort of people ought you to be? Now, that's the thing. When's this going to happen? How's this going to happen? What's going to be the sign of this happening? Well, here's the thing. What sort of people should you be since this is going to happen? You ought to live lives of holiness and godliness, waiting for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be set on fire and destroyed, and the heavenly bodies will melt as they burn. But according to his promise, we are waiting for new heavens and new earth in which righteousness dwells. I had other stuff, but um, we're oh, taking way too much time now. Let do. Hey, man, I've been meaning to watch that sermon and give you a call. I've not forgotten. Um, how do we interpret passages like Matthew 24, 4, 20, where two men will be in the field? I just sang that song. You missed me singing. Um, therefore, stay away. You don't know the day the Lord's coming in light of there not being a rapture. Um <clears throat> Typically, I think it's taken in two ways. One is that this was about the destruction of Jerusalem, that um, that there's going to be this this great overtaking, that there'll be you know one will be destroyed and one not. That it's going to be many many people die. Um, the second one is that we're talking about in the the coming days um, when things when the Lord is coming back um, that. Um, in the twinkling of an eye, there are going to be those who um, are believers and those who are not believers. Um, so yeah, we'll look up some of this later because I'm 
completely gone over too much time and, and I didn't plan on getting into all of this. Also, the sign of the end of days. Yeah, looking forward to hearing your theology Thursdays on Revelation. Yeah, <laughs> didn't mean on being Revelation. They're just on stuff that people are talking about. So, I mean, so here's my main point is this, that, well, 1 John 5, 1. All right, got to do that real quick. 1 John 5, 1. And I'll look more at or, or lick my fingers, but I haven't been around anybody. 1 John 5, 1. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God, and everyone who loves the Father loves whoever's been born of him. By this we know that we love the we love the children of God when we love God and obey His commandments. For this is love of God that we keep His commandments, and His commandments are not burdensome. For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that's overcome the world: our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? And so this is. Um, the important things that we overcome the world by by being believers, by obeying, by being faithful, by enduring where we are. Um, so is it the end of the world? I don't know. Um, but I know there's if, the, if it is, then you be caught doing what you're called to do, being faithful and sharing the gospel and being a believer and not living in fear that if persecution comes, it's going to, you know, just has you wrapped up in these things. Um, the important thing is he is coming and when he comes, that's it. And when you die, that's the end of it for you. Um, so, you know, the gospel is a gospel. The gospel doesn't change. Your need for a savior doesn't change. You're not guaranteed a minute. You're not guaranteed an hour. Um, but there's encouragement that this world will end and that there will be new heavens and new earth in which righteousness will dwell. And that's what we look forward to. Um, trying to answer all the questions that are brought up in these things can lead you into um, a lot of time spent that you could be spent learning other things too. So um, I'm not saying don't spend time studying it, but some people, this is it. This is it, the end times. And if you disagree with their end times view, then they will not listen to you. They will not go to your church and they will not... Um, you know, separate. So you have to be very careful uh, about those things, you know, keeping the gospel central. Uh, I did, you know, Paul said, you know, decide to know one thing, Christ and him crucified. Christ and him crucified. I don't care whether you're in the middle of the rapture, you're in the middle of the whatever's going on, it's Jesus Christ. He is the way, the truth, and life. No man comes to the Father but through him. So is it the end of the world? I don't know. Apparently, we win another minute here. So, um, you know, carry on. Encourage one another as you see a day as you see the day approaching. Encourage one another, love one another, be good to one another, be faithful to one another. Go to church. Find a way to go. You know, ten or more gathered, you're okay. Ten or less are gathered, I think you're okay. Um, I don't know. We're thinking about. I'm thinking about going to multiple services because that's what all the big churches have. So I think that's what we've been missing is multiple services. All right. Uh, send more questions, and I'll watch Jesse's sermon. And, gather more stuff and i'll think about the whole thing with the two guys walking and one taking away too all right god bless